today's episode, I got a really, really special guest. I've been so excited for, I think, about two and a half weeks now. Um, she's an entrepreneur. She's a business coach. She's an award-winning financial professional. She's an author of her first book, hopefully soon to be a bestseller. And above all that, guys, she's a mother to four beautiful children. Please allow me to introduce you guys, Jamie Villalobos. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here and spend time with you guys today and to, to spend time with you. I'm, I'm excited to, to build this relationship, too. Likewise. It's a, it's a, I, actually, this is a, a side story that I didn't tell you when, when we first got on, a, got on a phone call. I met you at an elite circle three years ago, four years ago. It was my very first elite circle. I didn't even know what I didn't even know what I was doing in like in as a as a business. And you were the guest speaker and it was in uh it was you was it was it was a, a elite circle for um, Nikki Cannon and I want to say his name is Dequan. And it was back it was out there like in uh, the Marina, like Marina del Rey area. And Yeah, and uh and I remember you saying, like, we we bumped in the hallway, and you, I don't, I doubt you'll remember this, but you said this: "There's something different about you, kid," and that's it. Like, you didn't say anything else, and that gave me like the biggest chills. And and saying all that, and to have you here today, this is like one of my biggest honors. So I really, really want to say thank you for that, Jamie. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So, like, you know, I. Obviously, with within with, within your in your business, right? You're one of the most sought out trainers, one of the most sought out mentors in your business. But that wasn't always the Jamie that you right that that version of you wasn't always the case. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing. I know you were born and raised in Montana. How was that? Hey, I, I was I was born in California. Born in California. Yeah, my parents were in Venice. Um, my mom lived across the in California, and after I was born, they didn't want to raise their baby in California, and um, my dad was like kind of hurting for work, and he moved to Montana, where where my uh, my grandpa had lived, and to a little tiny town. Uh, it was you guys, two hundred twenty five people was the population where I grew up, so it was more like a village, like a ghost town. Uh, but two hundred twenty five people. I went to a little K through twelve school my graduating class was was 18 people and um i don't know if you guys have ever been to these small towns or group of small town yourself but it's definitely small thinking and so you know it's mostly farming community and uh no one's dreaming big <laughs> no one's selling me the dream we grew up very very poor um i'm the oldest of six kids and i grew up in a little trailer in the edge of town um and there's a big age gap between me and my siblings there's a, a big age gap between me and the a couple in the middle, and then there's mm. another big age gap between uh, them and the twins that are the last that were born. And so I felt always a big responsibility to to kind of be successful and help out my family and be an example and, and you know, help my, my family back home. So, yeah, I, I moved out to California after graduating high school. My dad, you know, was always in and out of work. He grew up on welfare and WIC and, and government help, and uh, my dad was not, wasn't always the most motivating yeah. <laughs> kind of guy. He's like, you know, life's the, you know what, and then you die. And kind of these are the cards of the self, and hopefully you'll get good grades in school. And so, you know, I um, I came out to California really to to be able to get a job and do my way through school. That was the idea. And then to, again, hopefully help my family back home. Um, again, you know, my dad was always kind of in and out of work. And so they needed help. My stepmom had become very, very ill when those twins were born. And, um, and so I came out here, and I was just, you know, working putting my way through a little community college. My, my first job was at Blockbuster Video. Wow. Like a 99-cent square place. It was just the closest place that I could walk that would hire me. <laughs> you know, and then um, eventually just started working all the time, like as many hours as I could to get a, a little junky car so I could get a decent <laughs> job. Um, and eventually I started working at Valley Point Fitness. I was you know, in the health club. So I definitely was not the leader and caught up, you know, speaker or those things today I have done a ton of self-development a ton of working myself <laughs> to become a leader to become a mentor to others to be you know just successful in general and uh, no one I knew growing up growing up was successful really in business or even in marriage or, or mm -hmm. anything so didn't have a lot of 
you know, examples or mentorship um, in my upbringing. Now, I, I love that you said that because I, I, re I can relate to that story because I'm the oldest of three. Um, and I always felt that almost it just feels like a, like an, an innate responsibility of, of going out there and getting, you know, expanding on your skill set and just growing. As you were going through that journey and you come to California, you come back to California and, and you're working at Blockbuster. How was the relationship with your siblings at that point? It was great. I mean, they were little. They were little. You know, here I am. I graduated high school, but they were still really in grade school. And I would talk to them, and I would uh, try to inspire them, you know, and um, and try to just encourage them. Again, my stepmom had become very ill, and because of, I think now, right now she's had over fifty surgeries. Wow. But it was um, constant scar tissue being formed, and so she had become addicted to the medication that the doctors put her on. So. It was a pretty hard upbringing for them, especially. And so I really had a desire to, to do something you know, special with my life, do something with my life, to show them that it doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter what's happened to us. That it just matters where you want to go. Right. And that you can grow past these circumstances. The, were, were, there, were there, like you mentioned, you didn't have that in your family, right? You didn't have a mentor or someone to look up to within 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 that radius of your family. Did, did you have that when you came to California? No, no, no. I mean, it was just a desire to work and to, to have a better situation than, than I knew. You know? Yeah. Um, I knew growing up it was not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember one time, times actually in that little trailer, it was northeastern Montana. I don't know if you're <laughs> familiar or anything. <laughs> it was northeastern Montana, but that corner... See, a lot of people think they know Montana as the beautiful, you know, movies and stuff, but Northeastern Montana is flat. We sailed for every direction for at least six hours. There's just nothing there. And, um, you know, I, again, growing up in, in, in that place, I, I knew I, I didn't want that, you know, debt. I had to listen to my parents argue about which bill can we pay mm. this month? Can we pay any of them? Uh, but I remember waking up, and again, that northeastern corner there, the Alaskan winds come through, it's freezing uh, below, you know, 30 below temperatures in the wintertime. And I remember waking up, and I could see my breath. Mm. And thinking, okay, I have to get ready for school. And I remember going down the hall and gathering up my sisters and bringing them into the bathroom and plugging in a little um, electric space heater in the corner and then just doing their hair and singing songs and um, trying to help them not feel like, man, this this is this is bad. Yeah. We couldn't even we couldn't even afford the propane yeah. to heat the house today. And um, and so just remember those types of moments that you know this is not what I want for my family. I don't want to have to listen to my parents, uh, you know, fight over bills. Um, yeah. My husband and I both are our, our parents divorced a couple times, and, and a lot of it has to do with money. And so that was kind of my drive, was just to, to develop a, a, a strong work ethic and uh, create a better life for myself. Um, did I want to have a big business entrepreneur? I think I did, because I had a desire to, to you know, have my own schedule, to have a control of my own time, yeah. to not have a boss tell me, you know, you have to do this. I remember being at Bally's, and, uh, and I worked at Bally's probably 11 hours a day, usually six, sometimes seven days a week. And, you know, yeah, I worked, they were only closed on Christmas Day. And so I worked all the time. And I remember trying to go upstairs and get a bagel one day. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to come back downstairs. You got to have saying I can't even go, you know, like <laughs> someone has their thumb on me all the time. They control my income. They control, you know, how much money I make, which dictates where I live and what, you know, school kids yeah. go to and, and where we vacation. And so I, I did have a desire to, to, uh, to have my own business. But, you know, again, I was very young. Um, and I, because I was working so many hours once I got that job at the gym, um, it, it was hard for me to continue going to school. That's, I not work degree either. I love that you said that because I think, I think, I'm, like, I, I can, like, that's another part that I can relate because I remember having my first corporate job. And like, 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 this is before I met Christopher, right? Like, I thought, I thought I was big time. I was like, dude, I got company car, company card, company computer. But I, I also had a company life. Like, I had no life of my own, right? It was just this, this. And I remember always thinking this. 
I'm so much better than my manager. Why am I here? Well, like, but it wasn't like I'm degrading who he is. I was just like my skill set. But there was no way I could get that. Like, there was no way he can teach me to become that. Or there was no way I could, right? Like, there was no way I could go to my manager and be like, hey, can you teach me how to go make 200000 or or 100000 And so you're, you're in valleys, right? And I, I feel like there's a lot of individuals out there that kind of have that same feeling where, I'm okay, I'm here for my income, and I'm putting in the work, and I'm putting in my time, but there's no exit plan. What was that exit plan for you at that time? Well, okay, so again, I'm working long hours, and but you know, first of all, I'm 22. I'm making yeah. way more money than any of my friends. It wasn't, you know, it's probably a harder job, hmm. but it was demanding. Even on our bodies, a lot of my friends sick. Um, one of them was pulling a girl from an apartment on over. Another guy got shingles from stress and anxiety attacks that the manager could go through because of the high pressure environment. And so my thought process was, when I'm working so hard, if I could put this type of effort and put my heart into something that was mine, I know I would be successful, mm. but what? Yeah. I'm 22, who was going to give me an opportunity? You know, where could I go, you know, and, and, um, and make the money I'm making right now? Um, and so I kind of felt stuck. And, and when that happens, plus I had an income floor. I was making more money than most of my managers. I was there four and a half years, but they were there 14 plus years, and I was making more money than most of them. Right. And so I, I felt like I kind of that there was no light at the end of that tunnel. And so it wasn't necessarily you know, any of that. It was the fact that I had stopped learning. I had stopped growing. I was basically get up, go to you know work, work all day, do the same thing every day, go home, go to bed with zero appreciation. Mm. You know, I, and I could be number one, and I'm like, can I go to a high five? <laughs> you know, they weren't sending me on trips or, you know, holding the office. Yeah. They would instead increase my, they told their budget to increase my quota. Wow. To do more, to do more right. And to, to still earn my bonuses and, and those things. And so I felt very um, underappreciated. Mm. Uh, I felt like, again, that I was wasting my life. And so I, um, I started looking for other things. But again, with my schedule of 11 to 11 typically, yeah. um, it was hard for me to put out a resume and to look for a job. Right. Of course I do. You know, I mentioned it to a few people. And, and so I had a friend who was a big commercial uh, real estate broker. And he said, well, you know what? My, you know, I have a lot of friends, family, and residential real estate. Go get your real estate license and, and I'll have her teach you. I can teach you. So I go, that sounds good. You look like you're doing well. Yeah. So I went and got my real estate license. <laughs> thought that would be a good exit strategy. Um, again, to me, it seemed like real estate agents can have more freedom, yeah. you know, control of their time. And uh, and so I went and got my license. That was it was kind of difficult to, you know, get my schedule to study, to even take my test. I had to take it on my break. Wow. I had to sneak out. I had to sneak out on my break. And drive there, and I had another manager like if, if any supervisors come in, just cover for me. And so I'm stressed out driving this book with my test and passed my test. But then I stayed at that gym for eight months with that real estate license because I felt like it's you know very competitive. I had you know I was 22. I didn't have a market of people to say, hey, if you're buying a house, let me know. You know, and so and the, and the big one was there was no support. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I was kind of taught. Like in that industry, you learn as you do. Go get some sales, go get some leads, and then we'll you'll learn as you go. And so there's no system. And so I never felt comfortable just quitting my job, making you know good money, helping my family back home. I never felt comfortable just quitting my job and going full time in real estate. So here I was, I was going to a real estate company in Burbank uh, from about 10 to you know about noon, 11 30 noon, and then I would go to the gym till about 11 o'clock at night. And then I would just try to get referrals. I was so down. I was like, you know, any better website something? Send them to me. I'll do it like for free from that <laughs> just to get experience. Um, and so I did that for about eight months. But then I grew more and more and more dissatisfied because I knew that that corporate life was just not where I wanted to be. Um, I wanted more of a challenge. I wanted to be making an impact. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I just felt like I was, again, wasting my life and I wasn't you know, making any type of difference. And, um, and so luckily, I, I met a gal at the gym. Um, it was perfect timing. I was just kind of had it up to here, just sick and tired of it all. And she had just had her baby, and she wanted to meet it. 
show her around the gym and help her out <laughs> kind of getting started. And she said, you know, you should meet my husband. And I was introduced to the, the thing that I worked with now. Random question. Who was that? Oh, wow, that's awesome. And when when that happened, was it more of the dissatisfaction, the frustration of your current situation that you just like, yes, I'll meet with him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, when I first started there, and again, I'm making great income and making more than my parents. Yeah. I'm 22 years old and making more than my parents. And, you know, you're cool enough raising you, you're number one. Um, but then again, when you get to that point where you're dissatisfied and I'd walk into that gym just feeling, again, underappreciated and like there's there's no hope, there's no money, yeah. it's not going to get any better. It's the same today as it was yesterday. Um, so when you get to that point, uh, you're open, right? And so I wasn't just open. I think I had been approached by lots of different business opportunities or whatever, and I just wasn't interested. Yeah. Wasn't open. But it was good timing because I was hungry for change mm. in my life. And so when she said, you know, come on down, meet my husband, I didn't know even know what it was. Right? <laughs> and, but I was like, yeah, she seems like a sweet lady. Yeah. And I'm, I'm ready, I'm hungry, show me, you know, if it's, if it's better than what I have now, I'm open. And again, I had that real estate license and I was learning mortgage, doing mortgage, but um, but still at that job. But that's, you, you bring, that's so great that you just said that because I think opportunity is not that opportunities are never there. It's just that when you're not open to them, you're not you don't see them, right? Like like you said, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure, hardworking young lady working at Bally's, like I'm pretty sure there was people approaching you, whether right, all kinds of businesses. But you mentioned like there came a point when when you were dissatisfied. Now you're entering, you're in, you know, you you go and 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 you get introduced to this firm. What's your thought process? Because you're you recently got a real estate license at that point. Yeah. So my thought process was, you know, I, I first I came in and I, I saw kind of an overview of the firm, financial, and there was a slide that showed kind of, it just listed all the different things that this broker dealer firm did for clients. It was like home K's and IRAs and, um, you know, mechanic plans and these things. And I looked at that, 403B, and it looked like a bunch of letters and numbers and I was really illiterate. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand money. I feel that they've offered me to put money in my phone and pay it my job, but I never did because I, I never, no one ever showed me how to do it. They never showed me how it worked. So I thought, gosh, if I'm going to retire my dad and my stepmom and my mom and my stepdad and help my sisters go through school and then help my own kids, um, I'm going to need to learn this stuff. So I thought, gosh, you know, maybe I'll just do this part time and, and get this financial education. That was my thought process. But then I saw the business opportunity. And to me, it just seemed like a good business. You can uh, make great income. It's like the highest paid you know, business to be in. But you can make great income, but you can also control your time. My hot button big time. Yeah. I have zero control of my time. Um, never got to once to that. Go home with my family in Montana to see them. They're looking at four and a half years. Had plenty of vacation time, but there's always a threat of demotion if I took it wow. in corporate America. And so, so it was control my time. Great income, and you get to help people, right? Yeah, to make money to help people. So I was like, that sounds like a dream business. But here I am, 22. I know nothing. I'm super intimidated by the whole thought of even learning this stuff. So I thought, God, if we're, if we're willing to give me a shot, by far the youngest people coming in the office, <laughs> there was no, most of them were industry guys. And it was also at the end of 99. And what was happening at that time was like the dot-com bubble. Everyone was investing in the stock market. Like everyone was kids were putting money in the market and just making money. And it seemed like everyone was so knowledgeable of this stuff. And I knew zero, right? So, so I was pretty intimidated. But luckily I came, you know, Sunday was my day off. And I, they don't usually ever do interviews on Sunday morning. But I said, you know, I am interested. And I come back right away just to get my questions answered. And luckily, he did meet with me on that morning. And he answered my questions. And I thought, gosh, again, if you really give me a shot, I'm going to try it. Yeah. I'm going to try to le- at least learn the, the financial concept. And um, again, I was very intimidated, very young. But luckily, what I, here's why I, I decided to do it. Because remember at the, at the mortgage, it was you learn as you go. Yeah. There's no system. Literally, my broker trained me this way. He said, there's a stack of loans over there in the corner. You can learn how to, you know, put loans together. Um, you can uh, look at the computer and learn how to read rate sheets, and you can listen to the guys make phone calls. 
that was my extent of my work. <laughs> oh, he did tell me, he said, uh, he said, uh, he said, make a, write a letter to everyone you know and tell them that you're in real estate. So that was when I did real estate. I was like, zero support. And here I felt like there was a system, that there was someone that was going to hold my hand, that, you know, there was a kind of a net to catch, catch me if I fell. Yeah. And so I thought, gosh, you know, I'll, I'll come in part time. <laughs> Just give it, like, get my feet wet, see if it comes. But my mindset was not, it, it was not to be this huge entrepreneur having offices all over the country. It was, well, I can do the mortgage and I can do this too because my clients need it mm -hmm. and I can make more money and have, you know, a more well-rounded financial business. So it was, it was very small thinking. <laughs> that's, that's, it's, it, I, I think there's, there's, there's like that, that thinking was that, was that based, were you, was your vision based on your current situation or was that just something that you, like did associations change that right away? My, my vision was based on my upbringing. I didn't know anybody who was going to about Yeah. Um, and it was a completely new industry that I didn't have a market. It wasn't like, so again, I'm in the financial industry. I, yeah. I was 22. I looked like I was 12. <laughs> you guys see pictures of me back then. I don't know if anybody bought me financial anything from me or followed me in leadership, but I, I looked so young. I knew it. You know, I knew it wasn't going to be that, you know, easy, but I, I, I knew I, I liked the idea of being in this professional industry, serving others and making more money. My, my, honestly, my vision was so small though that I thought, gosh, if I could just make what I'm looking at now, would yeah. have control of my time, that would be a dream come true. So it wasn't until I was around bigger, you know, thinkers, visionaries, mentors that stretched my vision and challenged my thinking. It was like you said, through association here yeah. that I believed I could do something bigger with my life. You know what I mean? Like I said, working at Valley, I was already out. Because most people would say, oh, I'm going to give it six months. I'm going to give it an exit plan. Well, when I first came in, I was like, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if people are a little hyper. <laughs> I don't feel like they're training and they're, they're, they're grown, like 60-year-old women. They're like, you not that to the top. They're <laughs> tired of us, you know? And, and they're so friendly and they're so much. And I'm like, is this for you? Because I was not used to that. Like, corporate America, the gals would be good friends on Friday night, going out to the club later, but then Monday morning trying to take each other's jobs. It was, it was really a more backbiting corporate scene. And so when I come here, it's a team. And so it was just unusual to me. And again, I didn't know anybody. So, you know, I started coming to classes and trainings, started to, to, to get my licensing type stuff going. Um, but what, what, the reason I went full time was because um, we have a, a, had a program where the trainee could go out with one of the financial professionals and observe with the client. Didn't say much, you know, but we could take notes. And I would watch. And the first time I went out with my trainer, he's very charismatic and his, his name is John Shin, but he's very good with clients, charismatic, he used to be an attorney. And he would, he would just do such an amazing job. And in like 45 minutes, he would completely change the family's life. And I'd watch in 45 minutes would make sometimes in a night what I was making in a month at my job. And I, you know, that first appointment, I said, oh my gosh, John, that was amazing. Like, I love this. I love what we do for family. Well, I don't know if I could do what you just did. But then after four appointments, five appointments, I'm like, get out of my way, John. You're so silly with your jokes and stuff. I could probably just relate better with people. I believed I could be successful. You know what I mean? I believed I could do it. So um, once I, I knew that, yeah, I can do this, why would I stay at my job? You know, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs invest hundreds of thousands of dollars on equipment, on office spaces, on, you know, different things just to get going. And so if I, you know, had to struggle a couple of months and get, maybe even get a little bit of debt, it, it didn't seem like that big of a deal 
for what the upside potential was. So, yep, it would take about five appointments watching and observing and falling in love with the idea of helping families this way and full time. It's a, it's a, it's, it's the beauty of what you mentioned early on, right? It's a, of finding a system, finding, 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 not just the associations because the associations don't come right away, but finding the community, right? Of like, I'm there's this energy here. I don't know what it is, but it's kind of addicting in in a sense, yeah. right? So you're you're yeah, growing. You feel supported too. You know what I mean? It's so you know you can't really screw up. There's like checks and balances here, you know. Versus a lot of a lot of times, people when they go into business, they feel like they're all by themselves. And, and I, I never felt that way. Let's fast forward a little bit, right? Like you, you, you jumpstart your business, you take the leap of faith, and 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 the perspective that you have is, yeah, there's going to be some losses here, but but you know, it's it's part of business. You're in business now, and one of the beauties about about your story and and who you are, and in your industry, it are your associations. And I want to I want to get to associations because I like your your ability to expand not just your own vision but your ability to expand the vision of others how important and how vital were associations in your in your upbringing in business it was so important you know when i started in business and i would i would own it like i wanted to be the first in the office the last to leave like there was always so much more you could learn but it was exciting because again finally after so long i was learning and growing again right and so family members told me you're crazy you know you never had a background in that you didn't go to school for that. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're gonna fail. Um, they were just, they were almost kind of mean and, and not, and not supportive. They didn't want to give me any referrals. Um, they didn't want to become clients because probably they didn't want me to know how broke they were. But you know, so, so it was, it was a struggle that way. Um, but here's what happened. I, I, to my, in my mind, I thought I can't take advice from broke people. Wow. I'm not gonna take advice from. Or even successful employees. You know what I'm saying? If I'm not trying to be an entrepreneur, why would I take advice from a successful employee? That was my manager when I left the gym. And my supervisors, they, you know, they said, oh, you know, people have done this, such a thing before. And they always come back and they try to offer me, you know, bigger promotions and, and entice me to not leave. Um, but I didn't want to take advice from broke people. I didn't want to take advice from people that have never built a business of, the, of them, you know, their own. And so, and so I, um, and so I, I instead I sought out mentorship, and I looked for people that were um, were where I wanted to be. And and so it, I still, um, you know, Ed Milet will say, you know, Jamie's one of the most coachable people that I've worked with, that I that I've mentored, because I, I want to. No matter how big you get, you still have to stay humble. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's there's more to learn. There's more growth. There's more vision stretching that can be done. There's more capacity because we're human beings. We have this like huge capacity to grow and change and become a better version of ourselves. So in the beginning, it was easy because I knew I knew nothing. <laughs> so it's easy to be humble. I'm like, uh, just tell me what to do. <laughs> and so I told the guy that was working with me, I'm like, look, you know, if half of what you are saying right now is true, then this sounds way better than what I'm doing, right? So tell me what to do. I'll be the hardest working person that you've ever met. But if what you're saying is a lie, I get a family of six in Montana and tell your wife we're moving in with her because like I I need to make this thing happen. And he's like, all right, I like you. And so I would seek out mentorship. And the, the key to that was again being humble, being willing to ask. Sometimes people aren't willing to ask. So like, oh, I haven't heard it yet. I'm too small. I'm too small to reach out to John Maxwell or Edna Ledge or whoever. Um but the thing is, like these guys, they they they're looking for leaders. They're look, they love mentoring. They love coaching people. Uh, what they don't love is when they coach you and you don't take the advice or you waste their time. And so um, I brought, I was kind of proud of myself that I was coachable at the speed of instruction. If if one of my mentors, I had, I was lucky. I was blessed to have so many great mentors. Um, so many great mentors that were very very successful um but when when one of them had told me something it was instant i, I remember going to this thing at, at Ed Milet's home one time and i was I'm not even making 50 grand at that time in, the, in my business i was really just getting started and everybody's you know being like they're awesome or something and i'm at his feet 
like the entire time. And he's just spilling like, you know, nuggets, you know, of mentorship and coaching and business stretching. And I'm just can't even write fast enough. You know what I mean? And then afterwards we went to this like dinner thing and they were watching some fight, some boxing or MMA or something. And where I was outside in the cold, pacing around the restaurant, calling everyone in my company, like emergency meeting, I don't care how late I get back, I'm not leaving until every <laughs> but when I get back tonight, you're coming over and we're going to put all of these things, you know, into action. And so, you know, I, I wasn't one to say, well, why? Why do I need to do that? I was going to just say, okay, what next coach? And when I got the instruction, implementation, hopefully it worked. Usually it did. And then I'd come back, what next coach? And you'd be surprised. Like, you know, I'm not taking hours of their time every day, you know, but I'm getting the, the, the course correction that I, that I need. And so, yes, the suit through association, through mentorship. I remember there's one guy who's almost a billionaire. He's, um, he's one of Ed's coaches, too, but he's one of my direct coaches. Uh, his name is Rich Bell. And um, I remember I was barely making a low six-figure income, and he, and I was in Woodland Hills, California at the time, and he was going to be a guest speaker at this thing in San Diego. And I heard he had been from San there. So I called him up. I don't even know how I called him. The letter from office to giving his phone over to me. But I called him up and I and I said, "Hey, you know, can I pick you up in the airport?" I said, "Sure." You know, if your husband could be there. Yes. Okay. Yes, you guys can pick me up. So then um, I drove three hours in traffic to pick him up from the uh, from the airport and drive him 15 minutes to the hotel, and then waited for him to be done, and then drove them that 15 minutes back. Oh. And uh, that is there's so much power in that association. My little small thinking is not going to pull him down. <laughs> He's going to be like this giant crane pulling me up. And literally, you guys, within probably um, two months from that point, I was well over a quarter million. So my income more than double. Just the power of association. That that's the fact that you took that initiative. Right? Like, who would even who would even think to call the home office, like? you know get someone like a rich solid like just the audacity right of thinking about that and the fact that you did it and the hunger of staying in traffic for three hours now when you're in traffic for three hours and you're thinking i'm gonna go rich meet rich Tholly, what's the intent because there's obviously there's an intent behind it there's a there's a reason it's not just i'm gonna go be a, a chauffeur for you like you know i i, I want to build relationships and i i'm i'm open I'm, you know, yes, I have a list of questions probably, but I'm I'm open to whatever he wants to give me. You know what I mean? He had he's at the top of the mountain with a big vision and see farther than me. So if he wants to talk about something he thinks I need, I'm gonna shut my mouth. You know what I mean? You know, I might have some very like critical key questions I want to ask, but I'm not gonna probably dominate that conversation. I'm gonna listen. I'll listen and let him pour into me and 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 uh, a good mentor will pour you know into you you know will leave, and that's I think what was one of the most, I remember that conversation in that car, and he joked and he turned around and I was in the back seat and says Jamie, we can't even relate while you're making at least a couple million dollars a year, and I was like, things I can make a million dollars a year, you know it's such my vision that oh my gosh this guy believes in me, and there's so much more power there than me saying oh so how did you do this or when you did that how did you you know. I love that you the the way you took that was he can think I can make a hundred a million dollars a year. It wasn't like, oh, he's snobby about making it. No, it was like his belief in me is that I can make it. Which he's a very one of my favorite things you just said was the power of of mentorship and 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 you were quick to react. To, to the feedback, right? You were very coachable. And, and what would you say are the most important qualities to have as a new entrepreneur in any type of business? Well, you have to have the desire, the hunger. You know what I mean? You could be great in your industry, uh, great at skill set. You know, I mean, maybe you need to look how to do sales and you're great at that. But if you're too comfortable, I don't think you're going to be very big. You know what I mean? And then you have to have the ability to 
keep increasing that desire and increasing your vision because otherwise you'll, you'll settle. You'll settle. I see it all the time. I see people settle. I have a gal, you know, that was, that was making, uh, she, she was a waitress before I started working with her and uh, she's making over half a million now. And I said, Hey, are you going to, you're making pretty good money. You know, are you going to get to, are you going to shoot for a million? Are you going to go for two million, two million? And, and she's awesome. She's amazing. I love her so much. Um, but I took her to Africa with me um, a couple of years ago to one of our uh, orphanages out there. And just to spend the week there, there, you know, hugging kids and dancing with them, singing with them and letting them put stickers all over our faces to stretch her vision of like, look, you know, yes, you are amazing at what you do, but a half a million selling yourself short. Look what you could do with your, your life. You're, you're, you know, the, that better version of you should be what you're chasing. And so a lot of people say it's not about the money. But then they get to a half a million or a million or whatever, and they they stop. So I guess it was about the money. They're not hungry anymore. They're satisfied. And so instead of it being about success, if it's more about significance mm-hmm. and changing other people's lives, then that never stops. You know, there's no finish line. And people say, well, when are you gonna? You know, why do you keep doing what you do, Jamie? You you could retire right now. You you know make residual a couple million dollars a year. And I said. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to retire. I love what I do. Um, but if there's a finish line, that means I'm finished. Yeah. An entrepreneur, you're finished. And a big part of you showing that you're not going to stop. And, and this is a spoiler alert to everybody that's out there. I know you're coming out with a new book soon. Right? Like, can you tell us about your, your new book? Yeah. So, um, a couple of years ago, before COVID, um, you know, one of those mentoring sessions, I try to schedule every month uh, a lunch or a mentoring session with someone who's way better than me. And just, again, put myself in a, a situation where through a safe association, I could become better. And, um, and, and so I was at Ed Milet's house, and we're sitting out there on his, his balcony and just chatting and um, kind of sharing with him what I want and the vision that I have and um and it challenges me to get onto social media more things like that. And um and we were talking about how um in, in business in my my industry but most just in, 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 in any business in general that there's not there's very very few people that make the income that I make and to be a female it's extremely rare to make, you know, that multiple seven-figure income. But then also to be a female that's happily married with four little kids, but, you know, it has charities and all these other, you know, philanthropic things that you're doing, plus, you know, uh, Cub Scout being leader, you know, <laughs> whatever, right? And so it's like, it's very good. And it's more, I wanted to, to talk more about that. And I said, you know, it's funny because that's my favorite thing to mentor on. You know, the last few years, I've been talking a lot about to couples in the business or to entrepreneurs that are like, Jamie, how do you do it all? How, you know, I'm so burnt out or I feel like I'm neglecting, you know, my own life or, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, falling away from my faith or, you know, all these different things. And so it's actually my favorite thing to coach on. So with you know, Edge Coaching, I decided to do Happy and Strong workshops for entrepreneurs. And so that's my philosophy in business is that you chase your wildest dreams and you win at the highest level and that you can do that. Um, But also when you get there, success means you're happy and strong. You're strong financially. You're not, I see so many entrepreneurs that, you know, spend beyond their means and they're stressed out financially and one COVID or economic thing just wipes them out and their families, you know, devastated. Or, um, you know, they're, um, they have, you know, I don't think it'd be great if you're making millions of dollars if you're divorced or your kids hate you, right? Or you're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot to entrepreneurs too. They they make all this money, but then they spend it all on their health once they get yeah. there, you know, trying to buy it back. And so, um, so yeah, so we started doing the Happy and Strong workshops, you know, for couples, for entrepreneurs. Uh, we did a few, like, just mental wellness ones during COVID because we were <laughs> a little bit wacky. Um, and, you know, I never, people always say, okay, you should write a book about your upbringing, about your experiences. And I never wanted to, like, no, a memoir? No way. <laughs> I can't do that. Just never had any input. So a couple of people offered to do 
the co-write books with me. Um, but then something just started nagging me that I needed to do this, that it was kind of part of my vision to, to help people. And I want to help 100 million people become more successful, more, you know, happy um, and stronger in, in every area of their life, be able to win in every area of their life. And, um, and so during COVID, I had a little bit more time. My mom was in town for a few months, too, so she kind of helped a little bit with the kids, and, and I knocked it out. But we're really excited about it. Really excited about it. That that's and that's coming out. When do we expect that to be out? It's done. It's it's ready to go. Um, but uh, so you know, Edna Lux has written a foreword and endorsed it. Um, John Maxwell now is going to be endorsing it and promoting it. So um, with the publisher, we decided to do a launch probably uh, early spring. Nice. Um, and so I don't, I don't. I would just say follow me on Instagram, and you'll kind of be getting updates and maybe free little. Yeah, but but it's very good. Like I said, for someone who wants to be able to um, find joy in this journey and and get there, how to put the systems in place and how to do all the structuring, especially if you have little kids. I have two teenagers. I have a my youngest is six. I have I have four little kids. That's awesome. What I and I want to my last question. I want to end it with this: is you you talked about that there's no end, right? Not that there's like it's a it's a it's almost like, I don't know if to use the word, but you're triggered by growth. Like, where, where? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I mean, I told you, I was the first in the office and the last to leave and the grind, right? And I think that everybody who wants to be big in business, like, hey, if you throw us a couple hundred grand a year, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. But if you want to really do something great with your life, build a, a significant business, then I think there is a period of time where there's going to be a grind. You know, I mean, there's going to be where you're all in and you're very focused um, and, and laying the foundation, you know, creating your system. Right. Um, I did that a long time ago and the tracks are laid. I have my system and my teammates and my company just kind of run on those tracks. Now, I still have a, a, a lot of very, you know, ambitious people that have you know, big dreams, big goals, and, you know, I want, and they're creating seven figures of their own. So, you know, for me, I want my vision to keep increasing so that the people that I am mentoring, you know, as big as they can think, they can still fit within that vision. You know what I mean? And so um, it's not that I'm going to be grinding it out all the time, you know, maybe like I used to. But I still think I'm one of the hardest working people I know. I don't know many people that work as hard as me. But. Here's how it works. I love when Ed says, like, max out, right? So for me, there's there's three major areas, kind of four, four major areas that I max out. The three main ones are faith, family, and business. The fourth one is my health. Obviously, I, I went through periods of time where that wasn't good. And um, not, you know, I don't want to ever be there again. And so I, I make sure my health is, is always good. I, I, I eat very well. I exercise. You know, I do all those things and get that in. But my faith family business is where I'm really maxing out. So if it doesn't fit in those three categories, it's usually kind of on the back burner to me. I do travel, I, I travel all over the world, you know, every year, but it's with my family or it's with my teammates and my company to, to stretch their vision yeah. or to reward them. So it's always growing those three areas. You know what I'm saying? So when I'm at home with my kids, I'm typically not going to just sit on the couch or, you know, um, scrub the toilets or something, right? I, I'm going to be, it's going to be quality. It's going to be growing those things. And um, and so you can you can do it all as long as all doesn't mean, like, millions of hobbies mm-hmm. and having your favorite TV show every night that you watch and stuff like that. And here's the thing. When you've made it and you have a business that's paying you whether you work or not, and you have residual income and, and those things, then then you have bought your freedom. Mm. You know, so my philosophy in the beginning was I'm gonna work as hard as possible now. So uh, you know, and do all the things that no one else wants to do. So that the rest of my life, I've bought the rest of my life back and I can do spend the rest of my life doing all the things that other people just dream about. You know? And um and so I was willing to to pay a price. Does that make sense? I believe right. that success demands a price and for me i'd rather pay that price up front and in full get it knocked out 
and then again enjoy my life. You know, I was uh, dreaming with my husband um, just this weekend, and we were talking about we want to put together a foundation for all the generations a hundred years after we're gone. That any kid in our family, if they want to do any type of missionary work um, or humanitarian work, that this foundation will pay for it. And then we were talking about how um, how just just all these cool things that we want to do when we're grandparents. Like we want to every time a grandchild graduates, or we're, you know, we have little kids, but every time a grandchild graduates high school, I want to take them individually, just Sean and I, on a trip somewhere, a dream destination in the world. Um, maybe take them to Africa or something like that. But I'm like, that means I have to stay healthy. <laughs> but we still keep thinking like, man, this life is so good. What can we get out of it? What can we give, you know, forward to, you know, with it? And so um, that's why, again, I try to increase my, my thinking, be around bigger people of what, what's possible. And then, and then I, you know, you don't want to slow down. I think when people um, are done or slow down or they, because they're bored yeah. and they don't have like what's next that's like something that's exciting to them you know what I mean yeah. so they kind of settle in maybe they aren't humble anymore maybe they don't have a coach anymore that they're that they're around but um but we just keep trying to to put ourselves in situations that you know like man I, I have a friend who who just easily cut, cuts checks for millions of dollars to different charities and I'm like I can't do that yet. You know, I've given, I, you know, we were very active in a lot of different, you know, charities and stuff, but we can't just, without even thinking, cut a check for a couple of bucks yet. So we're, we're, we're not big yet, you know what I mean? And so most of our goals now are contribution goals, um, but I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. That, yeah, talk about expanding visions, right? You just expanded my vision. I, I, I It's funny because my, my last question was going to be, what you'd like legacy to be. And I think you literally just elaborated on what that legacy is, but I'm going to ask it anyway. One of, have you have you seen Hamilton, the Disney, the Disney? There's a point in the movie where Hamilton's kind of like, he knows he's about to die. And he writes, legacy, legacy, now I see. Legacy wasn't meant for me to see. My legacy is for those that come after me. You talked about, you know, your vision with, with Sean and what you guys are building. Um, as far as contributions, like what's Jamie's legacy? You know, I, to me, you don't know how successful you are raising your kids. It's how your grandkids <laughs> behave that you know you are successful as a parent. You know, are your grandkids successful? And so, you know, to me, I have four kids. Um, and I think about my posterity. I think about um, generations after Sean and I are gone that we want our great, 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 great grandkids to have a picture of Sean and I over their fireplace and say, what that was, that was great, great grandma Jamie and great, great, great grandma Sean. And they're the ones, they're the ones that changed our family forever. They're the ones that paid the price, you know? And um, and so we have family council and we talk about what what's the Via Lobos family uh, motto and what's the Via Lobos family, um, you know, just our, our um, our vision and um and so we pick you know family service projects and we we pick you know different like each of the kids has like a uh, charity that they want to, to raise money for during christmas time and sort of you know tons of presents and stuff and so we we want our our family our, our kids i don't know what they, you know i want them to be passionate about what they're passionate about and chase their own dreams but i do want to build leaders mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I uh, teased that I, I said, I'm going to be on the cover of Forbes magazine or Fortune magazine. It's going to say, she built champions. And that's my kids. You know, I have, I have a feeling that Daisy will probably write, you know, a few books. And I have a feeling that Bernie will probably invent something crazy that's going to change the world. Like Tom Walt, I want to. But, um, but I just want them to be, you know, good citizens that are going to, you know, to be in service and to be successful. But, um, but I want that to be my legacy throughout, throughout um, my posterity. But then, you know, um, like I said, I have a vision right now of helping 100 million uh, people and individuals, families. And I think about that through, that's through the financial education that we do, obviously, that strengthens families, that keeps marriages together, that sends kids off to college and gets people out of debt. But, um, 
but also just like I have three boys in Africa, these teenage boys that are now going to to to, to college, but they 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 volunteer in their little our little orphanage. But they were the three first boys in that orphanage, and our team raised the money to, to build that school. And um, and now like what they're going to do with their lives, and all the other kids that are coming into this orphanage in Uganda and Sierra Leone and all these other countries. Um, but then I also think of like people that have left my company. Mm. They came here and they became better fathers, better in their community, better leaders. And so she built champions is kind of like I said, what I my vision for my legacy that um that we made a difference, that we impacted leaders. Um I have a lot of people that we've mentored become six figure and even seven figure earners. But it's not just about that. What I want, my hope, um, and what's happening is that they're they're learning these you know incredible leadership skills, but they're also creating a lot of wealth. And with those two things, you can change the world. So I'm trying to inspire them um, to figure out what ignites them. Like maybe maybe for one, it's their passion about autism, which is autism. Maybe for another one, it's sex trafficking. But I want to light that fire in them. To think big, to dream big, to chase those dreams, to become successful, to learn the leadership skills, and then go take that money, that leadership skills, and go apply it to that mm. passion that they have. Start their own charities. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that again, that's kind of building leaders, building champions that will go on, and you know, and then that will compound, I guess, to to build more leaders. From I mean, I'm in awe. That, like, like, because of what you just said, you, your reach, your, your, your vision, not, not just your vision has expanded, but your influence and your reach has expanded. And the more you continue to create your goals and your dreams, the more you inspire others to chase theirs. And I want to say, on a personal note, thank you for being that woman. Thank you for being that, that, that beacon of light, if you will. Um, I am humbled. I am grateful. I am honored for this opportunity. Um, where can we find you? Where can we link with you? Where can we get in touch with you? And I don't, you know, I'll get all kinds of things and whatever. But I think the best place that I'm most active is um, is uh, Instagram, and it's at Jamie.Bialovic. At Jamie.Bialovic, and that's good to just follow there. I would encourage you guys to follow because I do post stuff all the time for entrepreneurs. Leadership stuff, building, you know, building teams, coaching people, mentorship, um, but also especially for females. You know, any females in your audience? Uh, but I'll tell you, my audience is about 50 50 right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then also I'll be posting, you know, previews for the books and stuff too. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you again. And remember, everybody, you are blessed, you are highly favored. Your family deserves the best version of you. Your business deserves the best version of you. But most of all, this world deserves the absolute best version of you guys. Stay in the big.